If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 427 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Derek Ling of Irish MMA Media, Ian O'Neill, because uh, all Graham McDonald is away on holiday, so Ian is stepping in in the, the early morning over in Canada to join me to talk about uh, a busy, 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 busy weekend in mixed martial arts before we get all to that before we get to all of that before we get all to that and to all of that let me tell you that this episode of the podcast ladies and gentlemen it's about unleashing the beach beast within you because this summer manscaped is here to help you level up your beach game with their new beard hedger pro kit they're going past waist deep in the grooming game and diving in head first to your facial hair fantasies the beard hedger is a game changer allowing you to shape your beard like a true beach babe so this summer let the beach balls bounce and turn heads all over the place visit manscaped.com use the code severe mma for 20 percent off and free shipping. I've been using Manscaped now for a good couple of years and it's the best in the game. And it's time to tame your man with the best in the game. I made, I just made that up there. It was brilliant. Uh, so say goodbye to all your stubble with Manscaped's Beer Hedger Pro Kit. First of all, the Beer Hedger um, uh, Cardless Trimmer. Roller wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths all in one guard. I've been looking for something like this for a very, very, very long time. I hate all those messy f- drawers full of add-ons. Absolutely terrible. It's waterproof too, so you can shave in the shower and avoid all that sink uh, hair and all of that. So get your setting maybe at the sink next time from then on. You know exactly what setting you have and in the shower. Absolutely perfect titanium coated T-blade. It's tough on here, but smooth on your face. Single stroke efficiency. An ultimate satisfaction. It doesn't end there, though. The Pro Kit also has dermatologically tested formulations for your post-trim care. First, there is the beard shampoo and conditioner. Everyone knows I said this before. I've used that for a long time. Because all your hair is different. You need different shampoo, different conditioner for different um, parts of your hair. It's more coarse on your beard and all of that. So um, the, the shampoo and conditioner is specifically made to moisturize, reduce ingrown hairs, uh, and replace uh, natural oils as well. Absolutely brilliant for beard health. Um, next of all is the beard oil, which helps uh, relieve dryness, but on the beard and the skin beneath, uh, adding a little shimmer and shine in to cap it off thin is the beard balm. Uh, it's a pomade that shapes, styles, moisturizes, and tames for the sculpted look to attract any fellows or dames. The pro beard kit also comes with three free gifts a beard brush 
comb and sitters. Sitters? Scissors? I, when I was young, I used to say sitters and hop, hopsital. Hopsital instead of hospital. Anyway, um, you'll, be no, you'll be going to no hospital with Manscaped because their products are absolutely brilliant. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code SevereMMManscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com using the code SevereMMM. Manscaped's beard hedger, one stroke, one guard, 20 links. And you know what? First impressions, they do matter. There's no two ways about it, and your face is most likely the first thing that someone notices. So once you're done with your beard hedger over at Manscaped, how about thinking about your skin? How your skin looks is going to determine good or bad the first impression. And you know what? Let's decide it's time to stop putting uh, yourself second and put your best face forward. Start using Caldera Lab to do so. Clinically proven to reduce wrinkles, fine lines. Jeez, I'm brilliant at reading these ads. I'm absolutely fantastic. Uh, it reduces signs of aging. It's a leader in men's skincare and is here to save the day and your confidence. Use the code SEVEREMMA at calderalab.com to enjoy 20% off their breast products. Best products. Did I say breast products there? They're not breast products. They're actually face products. Calderalab.com. C-I-L-D-E-R-A-L-A-B.com. Um, as I said, it's the first impression that matters in Calera Lab creates high performance men's skincare products to help with that. The regimen twice a day formula to transform your skin and the best part, it's super easy. Literally takes 30 seconds in the morning, 30 seconds at night. The little time for huge, huge benefits is absolutely and utterly worked. It's like, you know, you brush your teeth. You, you do it once a day, maybe it doesn't make a big difference, but you do it for a week, and it makes a massive difference. You don't do it for a week, you can tell you haven't been doing it, can't you? That's exactly what Caldera Lab is is like. Now for the fun stuff. Who's, uh, what products does Caldera Lab offer? Let me tell you. First of all, the clean slate. It ends, um, uh, and, uh, and, and it starts your day and injured your day. The face wash leaves all types, skin types refreshed, You'll apply the base there right after to moisturize and hydrate your skin. Even better, it absorbs fast, leaving you with a matte finish. Start your day confidently. Then the good is your go-to at night. Um, it's a fierce serum. Fierce serum? Fierce. Fierce. It's a fierce good face serum. Clinically proven multifunctional serum that helps your skin look tighter and smoother, as well as helps reduce the visibility of wrinkles and of fine lines. You want to take it a step further? Use the icon. It helps addressing the three most common types of skin concerns around the eye, fine lines, dark circles, and puffiness. Caldera Lab is made with top-tier ingredients and a legit showstopper that is good for you today and in the long run. All it takes is 30 seconds in the morning, 30 seconds at night, probably a little bit longer. Trust me, it's about time I got my skincare, skincare, skincare unlocked for the better. Doesn't get any easier than this. So our call to action is this. Get 20% off using our code SEVEREMMA at calderalab.com. It's 20% off at calderalab.com, calderalab.com. By using the code severe MMA, jump into skin and first impression royalty at Calera Lab. Right, in, let's get straight into it. UFC 291 uh, literally finished moments ago. And the first thing you said to me when we started, it was a good card. And uh, we spoke last week on the, uh, the, the preview, and I think both of us agreed it was a good card. Maybe not so much, Harry, but like. When that Wonderboy and Pereira fight fell off, and we will talk about that again in a second, uh, 
it went from me like a good character one i'm like oh shit this might be might be like kind of hard to get through at times because like i i I always feel like and we were kind of discussing this beforehand as well that third from last fight is often the fight you know for me especially at fucking half three in the morning or four or five o'clock in the morning whatever it might be it can be tough to get through and when that fell out it was like ah shit but it did deliver, thankfully. The way, as I, do you know what I liked as well? The way they had the card laid out was good. They stuck by that and they replaced that third last fight with the Derek Lewis third last fight, which was the perfect third last fight. And uh, it was good. So the, not only was the card good, but like also all the fight placement on the card was pretty good, you know. And I do think, in a card that didn't have a, a real title on it, um, you know, with you know, maybe a number one contender in the top two fights, but maybe not as well. You never know. It was, uh, I say, if you were paying the pay per view prices, you were. It was, it was worth it because it, it did deliver. It definitely did, and you know, I think a key to a good card is getting a solid preliminary fights as well. And I think what we had five out of six finishes on the prelims as well. That always helps too. The pacing of the card was decent enough as well. And yeah, we got our talking points on the main card. Was a big worry for me as well. I like always love watching Wonder Boy fight, and that Pahea fight falling out. Um, he was right not to take it. Like you said, we'll we'll talk about that in, in just a few minutes. But uh, I was worried too. But like you said, Derek Lewis inserted into the main card, delivered, uh, gave us a good moment. And I think it added to the overall kind of entertainment factor of, of the card in its entirety. Let's talk about the main event some and get into all the, the moving parts and the rest of the card because I thought it was a very, very interesting uh, fight and a very interesting finish, obviously, as well. Gaethje got the big knockout on the six-minute mark. Exactly, I think it was. Let me just check there again. Uh, yeah, it was indeed. Um, I, do you know, they, they made the comparisons with the, the Leon Edwards uh, high kick, and there was, I suppose there was a bit of that, you know, he kind of threw the uh, the lead hand and then the, the back leg to get the knockout. But I, I put it, I'll put it to you, Ian, here, uh, and I, I can retract this view and disagree with you. This, it might be this week's re- retraction, but I thought this was a Trevor Whitman masterclass. And it was funny because I uh, listening to Din Thomas, I, I, you know, Din Thomas is not bad, but when Trevor Whitman used to do that job, he was like so much better. And I think like he's the, probably the best coach in MMA. And I, I say that here because I believe that shot was landed, not because of the head kick, not because of the lead hand, but I think because of the left hook that was being thrown constantly throughout the first round. Like, Poirier was always going to lead that fight. He led the first time. Um, he's. We know he's going to walk through the leg kicks like he did. Maybe one of them will catch him, all well and good, and, and you know, finish him or whatever, but if they don't, he is going to win that battle. We know he's the more technical fighter, so he's going to be able to win that more battle for that battle more. So for Gaethje, it was all about kind of laying traps, setting him up, pu- putting him in a place where like he wants to be, but you can uh, take the initiative from there. And I spoke coming in, and I, I, I said it straight out. I was like, I think it's actually b- easier for uh, Poirier to adjust and win this fight than Gaethje, but I was 100% wrong. They acknowledged... 
they I, I I don't know what they, I don't know what they acknowledge it publicly, but I privately they acknowledged that Poria is a better technical fighter than Gaethje, and Gaethje used that to his advantage. He let him be the more technical fighter, and he tried to counter him. Left hook after left hook after left hook, and in the second round came, Poria attacked, and what's he going to counter him with? Of course, he's going to counter him with the left hook, but no, and Poria. Moves his head away from the left hook, but the left hook never came. And what came? The right high kick right over the top, the other side, where he dipped his head to, bang, gone. And it was funny because Gaethje was the one dipping the head that was almost getting head kicked or almost getting kneed. I, now, maybe this has gone too far, but was that part of it? Was that a part of it to get Parry thinking about that? Oh, I'm going to land a head kick. I'm going to land a head kick. I'm going to land a head kick. And who gets head kicked? Poirier himself. Maybe I'm maybe I'm calling Trevor Whitman too much of a genius, but God Almighty, it was a great game plan, and it worked to an absolute T. The old uh, tinfoil hats have been in full force this week with all the news coming from about UFOs and everything, and it's firmly on Shawnee's head on the Gaethje's performance. But I was the same as you, Shawnee. I didn't. I I simply didn't know how Gaethje was going to be able to do. It after watching the first fight. But what we've seen that has been different in Gaethje's game is a lot of patience. Um, And those traps, with the help of Trevor Whitman, were just brilliant. And I mean, you know, the credit needs to go to Trevor Whitman. And we've talked about him time and time again, but like just the body of work that, if even if you just look at Gaethje himself and what the fighter that he's turned him into is like that... I, I've likened Gaethje to like a wild animal or a wild lion that's, you know, just liable to just explode and, and do anything. And it's cost him so much in previous fights. But Trevor Whitman has managed to kind of train that out of him. And what he did tonight and, and his biggest asset was his patience, not getting drawn in um, like he did in the first fight and getting countered. He got drawn in and countered in the first fight. He didn't get drawn in and he didn't get countered. He, one big shot landed from Poirier in the first round, but that was pretty much about it. And I mean, just an excellent performance from Justin Gaethje. And he proves that, you know, he, he has another title run in him, whether that's next or not, it's going to be hard to, hard to tell. But I mean, he must've came out with that fight pretty much unscathed and be interesting to see if they, if they line him up as a backup fighter or something for, for Mahachev and Oliveira. But I think the story of the night is the redefined game of Justin Gaethje. Yeah, and I, it wasn't even necessarily that Poirier was, was doing badly. He probably won the first round. Like it, was, it was close yeah. enough, and he landed the biggest shot in it. So, like, Gaethje's plan, uh, I'd say that they knew. Look, both guys knew to win that fight, you're going to have to take a few big shots. Like, there's, there's no uh, avoiding it for either of them to get through that. Um and, I thought Poirier looked a little bit hesitant and yeah. less flow, flowy than he normally mm. is. And I don't know whether that's him being a little bit slightly worried at being at higher altitude and not kind of overexerting himself in the early stages of the fight. Yeah, I think it, part of it maybe was that, but I think part of it too was that Gaethje did come out like more defensive than you would expect. Um, and when I say uh, defensive is the wrong word, but more, more defensive than... Justin Gaethje would normally be like he was throwing more counter shots than more, more most fighters would normally be as well. But um, 
I, it's funny because our analysis coming in was could Justin Gaethje maybe throw a few more leg kicks could Poirier tie up maybe try to get a takedown um, and there was no takedowns and probably less leg kicks <laughs> so our, our analysis wasn't exactly on point there coming in to be fair but I, uh, it's not so I released the full video and <laughs> I yeah. thought this it's always it's always happens uh, that always way when you, <laughs> when you make the move to release a video highlighting the fact you think how one fighter's going to down ends up getting brutally knocked out <laughs> yeah it, re- it really is it always happens like that but yeah like it's funny I said coming in and I, I I don't know do I am I, was I necessarily wrong but I I I said coming in that I don't think Gaethje can win it by fighting and beating Poria in a more technical way and he 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 did but he didn't at the same time like I I think it was the trap it was the technical trap to land the big shot that actually got him there and it was it was it was almost more Rogan had, Rogan had said that he it was the first time that. He threw it um, t- after the fight, but he had thrown it a couple Many of times, times in round yeah, one as hands, well. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we were like, what the f- What is he talking about here? And, you know, Poirier was rolling with it and blocking it well. But, yeah, it was like that trap of the left hook, and he just he just walked him straight into that. And the ferocity that he threw, and we've seen him throw that high kick before as well. That was the kill shot. That was what they were planning for. He tr- tried and tested it a couple of times in round one and fired off in round two. And that was the first time that, We've seen Dustin Poirier, I believe, get knocked out since the uh, Michael Johnson fight. Uh, I, I think yeah. it was the last time he got laid out like that. So it was weird to see him get knocked down like that. Like it some was. fighters, you don't expect them. Like the first time McGregor got knocked out, and like oh, I don't know, like Ronda Rousey, obviously when she got knocked out, you just don't expect to see people like that. Come here to me, though. I want to ask you about the the knockout because you said there are a few of them hit off the hands and they got blocked. This the knockout kick got hit off the hand and blocked like it Pretty was much. it was massive. I would say it was like 75% blocked but it kind of hit him and you know when it hit him and that kind of the stim to the, the it wasn't this it wasn't the back of the head but like the side of the neck back of the head one there sometimes right, there was a I'm not saying it's an illegal kick or anything completely legal they were moving and everything but those ones it's just the placement of them sometimes Ian isn't it and I'm sure you've yeah, been hit with them in training the, a couple of times and stuff but we see it a lot Jesus, I got hit with them a good lot of times it's not nice but uh, I think it was what happened before the kick as well that uh, he he baited Gaethje baited out the, the lead hand of Dustin Poirier with his right hand and the right hand never came he hid the kick right behind it as well which gave him that little bit more space to kind of land the kick in behind as well but it landed with such force and impact I mean it went through the guard and hit kind of in around the back of the head around the ear as well and and just totally stiffened Dustin and I mean with Gaethje now it's you know they still have the question marks over his grappling what do you do with him how do you match him up I mean uh, I'm not too sure where we go from here Uh, my first thought honestly after this was trilogy like yeah. yeah, he got knocked out the first time. Gaethje, he knocks him out this time. Um, the title fight is what another three months away. That means he'd have to sit out for like at least probably seven months, if not more. We know Makachev, if he wins, you know, he's only going to be fighting once every six months. So it could be this time next year <laughs> before he fights again, you know. Um, I'm not sure if Gaethje will want to do that, but it does seem like he is next in line. Like there was a problem there for a while where there was a few people lining up. But then Oliveira fought Dariush. Dariush has now gone from the line. Um, 
uh, Oliveira is obviously getting the shot after kind of putting himself at the top of the line, I suppose. So when he has had that shot, maybe there's a trilogy there if he wins it. We could see that too. And if not, it does, It just does seem like Gaethje is there. Um, there was a fight announced this week. Was it Fiziev against um, against Gamrat was announced this week, I think, that's if I'm right, not mistaken. Yeah. So that's another one there. But like Fiziev just lost to Gaethje as well. So I'm not sure if they're going to put that one ahead of Gaethje. So you would think Gaethje is in prime time to get their next... I think that probably will happen. What do you think? Like he seems like a guy yeah. now who's happy enough to wait after years of being the violence way champion, kind of. Yeah, definitely. Like I mean, we haven't mentioned the BMF title yet, but it Goals. opens maybe a couple <laughs> of. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, for good reasons, uh, that opens up a few avenues maybe for fights as well, where you could turn nothing fights into somewhat something like they did tonight with this fight but I don't know like when you're looking down the division there's not too many we spoke about it on the preview show there's not too many people that are really knocking on the door or ready to knock on the door um, Armin Saryukin is there but I don't think it, uh, after a performance like that you, that Justin Gaethje desi- deserves to fight down in the rankings again I think he's going to be looking up and it might be the likely outcome that we see this fight and we see the trilogy now and we do kind of complain and give out a little bit of kind of rinsing and repeating fights at the top of the lightweight division and many other divisions but this one and the trilogy does make sense especially if Gaethje doesn't want to wait on the sideline um, you know you never know what's going to happen with Islam and Charles either so uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what, what goes down now in the lightweight division I suppose the other two lads that are there are Chandler and McGregor who are due to fight but like is that fight going Chandler to Chandler could come in maybe he might take the fight again but yeah but yeah. Chandler Gaethje just be Chandler like what, yeah. 18 months ago or a little bit longer that again it's yeah I don't know is that one going to happen so yeah it's it does seem like a pretty clear path for Gaethje like uh, I think Gaethje and McGregor would be a very fun fight but still this look the same issues there with McGregor with the whole you said I see back in the thing is he not back in the thing who knows with that one but I suppose we'll uh, that'll be one for another day for Poirier um, obviously we're recording right after so we haven't seen the press conferences or anything I could see Poirier retiring now, to be honest. Like, he got his big, massive paydays against Conor McGregor. With that said as well, though, like, that McGregor fight is still out there, I think. Like, the second that, you know, the the doctor stoppage fight happened, I think a lot of people's thoughts were like, this fight is going to happen again. And I think especially if Poirier had won the title that time, he probably just would, he'd probably still be sitting out with the title waiting for McGregor to come back. But, um... Uh, like do you retire or wait for that fight or do you go after something else like if you are going after something else as you said Arian like it's probably going to be a Fiziev or a Saryukin or a Gamron like do you maybe not Gamron that's it do you want to turn them. yourself into somewhat of a, a gatekeeper for the yeah. top five for the next couple of fights because you know that's the way it's going to be shaping out for Dustin Poirier and he's got a big decision to make now when he sits down and assesses what went wrong next week and um, yeah like I said it'll be interesting to hear what he what he has to say at the press conference even if he is he might he might be even transported straight to the hospital after getting knocked out he wasn't yeah. out cold but it was a pretty you know it takes a hell of a shot to get those Dustin Poirier knocked out and, and he took one there so it'll be interesting if he does kind of turn up at the press conference so um, I don't know uh, I there's not too much more to get excited about really for Dustin Poirier or even for fans to get excited about. Like, is he going to go on another title run? It's unlikely. Yeah, the Connor fight is there, but is he willing to wait around for it? Because it's been 
it's been flirted. His comeback has been flirted for many, many months now, and it's not looking likely that's going to happen this year. So maybe the year off, maybe see what happens with Chandler and and, and McGregor, and maybe you could do Poirier and McGregor three, and I'd say that would be the last hurrah for Dustin Poirier. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's going to have to take some time off after getting knocked out that badly. Yeah, that fight would probably make a lot of sins now, <laughs> you know, where maybe it didn't yeah. at times before, but we'll uh, we'll wait and see on that one. Um Let's talk about the comment of in first and then we'll talk about the Wonderboy situation because I thought this was this was an odd fight in so many different ways. You know, they kept mentioning we're at altitude here and we didn't, honestly, we didn't see too much sign of it throughout any of the fights except this one, I think. Bohovic, like, <laughs> the legendary Polish gas wasn't there <laughs> after <laughs> the, the, an eight or ninth minute. He just completely and utterly gassed yeah. at this stage. They needed to throw some of that Polish coal in on, uh, <laughs> into did. the engine they there did. in between rounds. It wasn't happening for him. He started off so well. Um, yeah. You know, uh, I had said, you had said, I mean, the smartest thing to do, uh, and I think that would be the case for anyone who's fighting Alex Bahia is to shoot in for the takedown and he looks super, super dominant in round one, took the back body triangle, working for the rear naked choke. About a minute and a half in, you know, you would have been feeling fairly confident that Jan was going to go on and take this, but, you know, didn't have the cuteness, I don't think, uh, in his grappling to kind of set up that choke after being in such a good position. And, you know, the longer the fight goes on and the more tired that you get, the less chance you have of taking Alex down. And, you know, there's a lot of unknowns for Alex going into this fight as well. And how would he be able to stop a takedown and continue to stop? And it was actually the exact opposite. He wasn't able to stop them at the start normally when you stop them at the start you'll slowly wear yourself out and wear yourself down where if you're really insistent with your wrestling and Jan tried to be but he got too tired eventually you'll kind of break somebody but it was quite the opposite it was Jan tired himself out so much in the first round Alex was able to kind of stuff the takedowns later in the fight and it ended up being a major factor in him getting the win really I, I, I 100% agree like he got tired and he fought from minute one like a guy who knew he was going to get tired like there was a situation in round one where he I think he could have gotten the finish and if that was at sea level I think he probably would have like uh, there was a time where he got obviously he got the, the if people didn't see it he got the clinch immediately there was a few minutes of, of clinching from Lohovic and then he took Pereira down like Pereira did some you know, he good take down the fence against the cage. He did well, but when he did take him down, it was just it looked easy. You know, it looked like okay, he's just going to continue to do this, and then he got his back the the body triangle, um, and Pereira got in this very good p- defensive position on the ground where like his el- uh, um his shoulders were like <laughs> were protruding so much that he couldn't get rear naked choked. And it was like, all right, he's found himself in a great position. And then on commentary, DC was like, he needs to pull Blahovic down uh, <coughs> out over the top of him. And then he obviously heard him, did it, and like very nearly got choked. <laughs> it was one of the funniest moments I've seen in a long time. But it was, he, uh, he didn't get choked in the end. He stopped. But like in that position... Normally, Blahovic either would have one choked him or two the second he stopped him, just postured up. He'd him flattened out and just landed low. That's the thing for me. Why don't you just move to try and flatten him out a little bit sooner than what he did? Um, You know, after a while, you kind of get a feel whether it's going to like sometimes with with kind of 
submissions like that with the rear naked choke it can happen either really fast it's very rare you kind of see somebody wearing somebody down and getting a choke it happens from time to time when there's a good bit of a discrepancy in the grappling department but like you could see after maybe a minute or two that Jan was running out of kind of setups off the back of Alex Bahia and at that stage you need to abandon the submission game and like you said flatten him out land some shots or even he try did, to land though, some shots he? like he I, I, just, a, a, I think he was too tired he I'm not, not even like, tired. I think he was too worried about his gas tank to unleash loads of strikes. Like I, th- I think he thought he was going to tire himself out. You know, the cage wasn't helping him now. Uh, but like you can move to try and get away to the cage. You can, you can roll Alex on per se. Roll yourself onto the mat and put Alex facing the ceiling rather than facing down on the mat. You know, to change that position to try create a scramble. Yeah, it's like you, you'd feel somebody that would have a better grappling would, would take more of an advantage in those kind of situations. But like you said, credit to Alex. He stayed calm. He, he stayed defending the takedown or defending the choke and then going on to defend the takedowns as well. But, I mean, he didn't look exceptionally good in this fight either, if we're being honest. No, it was weird because Blahovich could have won the first round of 10-8. You know, it had two to D, so you consider it didn't have enough damage so it was never going to be given I don't think uh, and in rounds two and three were, were like relatively close round two um uh, Blahovich was I think he was winning on the feet for most of the the second round like he was landing the better shots that left hook was landing over and over and like his shots I thought were kind of clearly more damaging but he didn't land loads maybe three or four and in the last kind of 90 seconds of the round, Pereira landed some very good shots, landed a lovely jab at one stage. And I think it was enough to steal the round. But if you score that for for um, for Jan, I have no real massive argument. And I would say the same for the third round. Like Jan was winning the first few minutes of that. Pereira came back. I thought Pereira did land, you know, some go- very good shots in the kind of middle to the end of that. And then there was the late takedown for Jan, which did nothing really there. But like, let's say you had Jan one or two shots ahead. He gets the takedown, you know, uh, uh, you know, it, cons- it seals the round for him, I suppose. Doesn't win him the round, but just keeps him ahead. I can absolutely see that. Like, I can, I can, I can see a 30 27 Blahovic. Uh, card here like but I scored a 29-28 Pereira I think that's the smart judging the good judging and I think they, they did get it right but yeah it, look it was a good performance because this is the first real martial artist mixed martial artist that Pereira's ever yeah. fought you know and he won the fight so you can't complain too much about it his best shot I think in general obviously his left hook is much talked about but his low calf kick Alex Bahia's low calf very kick good. is unbelievable it's so well hidden uh, there's very little movement with it but it lands in such force like I remember when the first one landed heavy in the fight you could see the welt on Jan's leg kind of go immediately and that was affecting him terribly in the fight which you know when you're not able to put any power on or, or kind of weight on that leg as well it, it does take away from your grappling a little bit too when you can't can't kind of force the the uh the takedown but that was a, an excellent shot and he Prahea hurt israel with that shot as well so he really relies on that and he gets you concentrating on that which does open up the punches now he didn't really land two and a couple of shots that he had his jab was really good tonight i thought if Prahea worked off his jab a little bit more he might have been a little bit more successful, but you know, it's it was a classic clash of styles fight where, you know, 
Pierre probably felt a little bit wary of opening up too much because every time we did see him do that, Jan was looking to try and take him down as well. But, you know, Pierre ticked off a few boxes tonight. Uh, we've seen a couple of wrinkles that we hadn't seen before in his game. We know that he has the heart and the will to kind of not not be disheartened or demotivated when he does get taken down and, and taken down again. And we've shown that, you know, in the later rounds when Jan got tired, he was able to stuff those takedowns rather easily as well. Which, you know, promising signs and he'll be back again and he'll be working and he'll be, he'll be getting better. And it'll be interesting to see what he looks like the next time in there. I, I definitely felt that he was more dangerous at 185, but I, I'm happy that he's made the decision. He was a big boy in there, man. He Massive. was huge. Up at 128, I believe his weight was. And it's like, this, yeah. this guy, or 228, sorry. Um, I think that you'd be thinking this guy could even be making heavyweight if he wanted to. Like. Oh, he could. I thought it was funny in the comments there saying, oh, it's because he's not cutting weight. It's like, he fucking cut it. He like, cut 20, <laughs> <laughs> the 25 pounds almost. I, I wonder though, I wonder is it too much? Like, I don't, like the weighing pictures, like he, he didn't look massively different in them. And like, I don't know. I I wonder is it a lot of, a lot of extra weight to carry because like one eighty five to two to eight. What's that? Forty three pounds. Is that it? Am I right? Twenty eight and ten thirty. Yeah, forty three pounds. That's a that's a lot of extra weight to be carrying. Like you know, on a fit man like that. So I want. Do you know what? As well though, as you were saying, as you were talking there, I was kind of thinking, if. His next fight is for a title. Like, it could be Jamal Hill, right, who's obviously injured, or Prohachka, maybe. Like, if one of the two of them gets back from injury, they're two fun fucking fights. Like, they're, they're much about Johnny Walker? Than them. Yeah, well, Johnny Walker, I'd like to see that as well. I, I think, fun fights. does a performance like that warrant an immediate title shot? With with the way things are, and you have uh, the trio at the top, and Ankoliev, Hill, and Yuri Prohachka, I think the what you do is you probably do Ankoliev and... Yuri for the title you have Hill maybe come back and fight the winner and then you have Pahea fight Johnny Walker and kind of yeah just the kind R, of R. they're still looking for a main event in Australia in a few weeks how about Adesanya versus Pereira 3 light heavyweight title on the line how about that? Oh my goodness! That, that, was my, that was my prediction from a few weeks back. So I wonder. I it wonder wouldn't be on the realms of possibility, but it'd be it'd be interesting to see yeah. what they do with that now. You never know. There'd be uproar. There would be uproar. I don't know. I, I don't know what there because the last two Q and A's people have asked like about the light heavyweight picture, and. Uh, my answer was, I don't think there's any wrong answer, really, or no, you know, there's no wrong answer and a lot of right answers, probably, because, like, they have a very tough situation, like, you have two injured champions, you had a championship fight that ended in a draw, <laughs> and, like, there's, God almighty, there's just so many different things that have happened, it's, it, it, it's tough, like, really, what, what, I don't know. Like, what do you answer you guys? I think, I think Yuri, Yuri is probably, I think they're saying Yuri could be ready to go before the end of the year. So it's like, we're not going to have to wait too much longer for him to come back. And I think given the circumstances that he lost the title, he didn't lose the title, he gave up the title when he got injured. I think it would be a little bit unfair if he wasn't in the mix for the next title shot, if he was available, of course. Um, and, you know, you can probably say the same about Jamal Hill. Whenever he comes back next year as well, you know, he gave up the title too, so he probably should be. But I mean, MMA and in the UFC is what have you done for me lately kind of a business, you know, Amazing. so <laughs> anything could happen in there. 
Speaking of what have you done for me lately, Wonderboy, and this whole situation. So, um, Wonderboy Thompson was due to fight uh, Michelle Pereira, uh, obviously, Saturday night. Pereira came in. What was it, Ian? 174? 174, yeah. So, four pounds over the way, three pounds over the, uh, with the extra pound allowed. Um, and Wonderboy, who... Had pre and he tweeted this afterwards, and it was a good point in fairness that he made. Who'd previously fought Darren Till on my 30th birthday, my friend Dahi got married the same night, and I ended up missing it. Uh, but anyway, I'm still salty over that. Uh, <laughs> he lost a close split decision that night, uh, even though Till had missed weight by like fucking seven bones or something, didn't he? And then Till got a tile shot off of that, and he's like saying. That was I got fucked over once. Why am I going to do it again? I'm 40 years of age. I have possibly one last run left in me. I'm not going to do it, right? And my first thought here was, he's 100% dead right, but. <laughs> and that but is what everybody here knows it is. The but is the UFC are not going to take kindly to that. Because the UFC want people who stand up and fight and uh, fight in short notice and don't think about their career and think about the UFC and think about saving the card and the show must go on and all of that. Not about professionalism, not about what's right for you or your career or any of that. And we know that down through years. Even if you're a guy like Wonderboy who's put on exciting fights and been an unbelievably good representative of the company and of the sport and all of that, they don't give a bollocks and then what happens today Wonderboy doesn't get his show money for turning up and making weight because he didn't want to take the fight even though his opponent missed weight it's nothing to do with Wonderboy that his fight isn't happening it's all to do with Michelle Pereira look we all hate weight cutting and all but if you sign that contract to make the weight and you don't make the weight then that's it that that fight is off. It's uh, you know it's at the beck and call of the other guy. Then if he wants to do it or not, but I think this is a, a sad and bad precedent to set. If if you're the UFC, but it's the precedent they want to set. You know, I I, I tweeted it there earlier on, and it's like years ago. I think the UFC probably could have. Uh, uh, you know, could have been, uh, I suppose, articled into changing the mind here because it'd be bad PR. Now they don't give a shit about bad PR. Their president's a guy who slapped his wife around the place. They're taken on by Vince McMahon, the fucking Sean Strickland um, on the top of cards, and Conor McGregor never got nothing got to done with him, or John Jones and all of this shit down through the years. They don't give one bollocks. They don't care. They, they don't care. Now, like, would I put it past them to actually pay him just to, to get a good a bit, a bit of good PR? You know, maybe, maybe they could do it by the time we stop recording. But the fact that they didn't even, you know, cut this at the bud, they didn't even... They didn't even care about stopping this happening. It just shows exactly, like, what the UFC are. But the whole Wonderboy situation and all, do you think he did it right? Do you think all of the right decisions were made? What, what did you think? Absolutely. Uh, even forget about what happened with Darren Till in the past. It's like uh, at this stage of your career, you can't afford to be taking chances like that because we've seen it time and time again when you do take that chance. And it's not like Pahea barely missed weight or it didn't look like he had generally really killed himself to try and make the way he, you know, for a guy who was struggling to make weight, he looked like he was a guy coming in that was going to be on point. 
and you're three pounds over, you're going to be able to rehydrate. I don't know what discussions went on in between, but, you know, we were talking about how it could happen and we've seen it in the past. If you accept uh, the fight, you'll obviously take 20% of the purse and then maybe you'd have Pahea weigh in on fight day at something like, I don't know, 180 or something like that. So he's not able to rehydrate as much. Obviously that didn't happen, but at the end of the day, Wonderboy lived up to his end of the bargain. And that's all that matters in this. And for him not to get paid by the UFC is is scandalous, but unsurprising at the same time. And it's a sad reality of, of what's happened. Hopefully they're pressured into doing the right thing, but they shouldn't have to be pressured into doing the right thing. Doing the right thing is doing the right thing. But we just, here we go again, time and time again, they just want to, to put themselves in front of everybody else. And, you watch the next fight that Cow- that Wonder Boy is put into now. Um, it'll be very interesting because I can guarantee it. Yeah, I can <laughs> no, guarantee it. It's not going to be a favorable matchup. Yeah, I and bet you'll Ali- be Rachmanov. And- yeah, um, Perea is probably be the one that will get rewarded with another kind of, I don't know, similar fight to, to Wonder Boy. And if even if this fight was to be put together again, I don't think that Wonder Boy should accept a new date for Perea. You you had your chance, you fucked it up, and now suddenly. Wonderboy is the one that gets punished. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It absolutely stinks to the core. It's like two of my kids fighting anyway. It was never meant to happen. So two of my favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Won't be happening. Won't be. Uh, won't be fighting. Uh, look, it's yeah. It's an interesting one. Oh, uh, Ian Gary is. Uh, Ian Gary made the worst mistake ever. Like he, Ian Gary was like, "Oh, I want to come in and I want to fight Wonderboy and trying to." Wonderboy had just turned down fighting a guy who was three pounds or four pounds over the weight. He's hardly going to fight Jews, probably weighing 200 pounds. He should have called out Michel Pereira. He should have said, Michel Pereira, I'll fight you on one day as known as you're overweight, I'm overweight. And that wouldn't have happened anyway, but that would have made more sense. But anyway, come on, Ian. And Ian's been making so many right moves. That Jeff Neal t shirt and all of that. And and see Jeff Neal's uh, coach went on with uh, John yeah, Anik, and he was absolutely <laughs> pulling. I was like, they you were got him. Uh, triggered by that for <laughs> sure. It was a, it turned out to be a very great move, a very good move. <laughs> so I mean, they got they got everybody talking about that, but um, yeah, that's uh, hopefully Ian stays getting ready, and I'm looking forward to that fight against Jeff Neal down the line. Indeed, indeed. Um, do you know one fight? Uh, we, we'll move on to this fight. I wouldn't mind seeing for Pereira if he moves to uh, middleweight. How about Pereira versus Kevin Holland after his win over Michael Chiesa? I wouldn't mind seeing that fight. Um, this was one of those ones where uh, sometimes, you know, just in like the Pereira fight there, maybe we didn't give Pereira enough credit for his win. I think Kevin Holland probably won't get enough credit for his win here because of how bad Michael Chiesa looked. Uh, God almighty, he looked like something out of... You know, 1993 or something, just like attempting to get a takedown, couldn't really get it. When he did, he got submitted pretty quickly, looked like he couldn't draw a punch, just absolutely looked horrendous. Looked like he wanted to avoid a punch or a kick to the face, like like I've never seen him before. I don't think Michael Kayser was a guy who generally did like getting hit in no, the face ever, yeah. but it was like to the extreme levels tonight where he was just kind of leaning and, and covering up and, and not offering any attack on the feet at all. He was trying to get that takedown and then, you know, the right one was on the wall when he couldn't secure that. And I thought Kevin Holland did excellent. I was very, very impressed. I've said to you, essentially a message that I, I had Holland to win by first round KO. And all week I was like, 
kind of fancy him for the submission because we'd seen Chiesa get Darce choked a couple of times before and then lo and behold I said I didn't have enough balls to go for the submission pick but uh, he got the job done and uh, look at we we were two guys there now that were getting fairly high up on Kevin Holland early in his career about maybe we going were dead right <laughs> Yeah, we're back, baby. We are back. We were right all along. But no, he's showing a level of maturity now that we've been longing for him to see inside the octagon because, you know, we said in the preview show is that sometimes Kevin Holland is in the octagon and sometimes he's not in the octagon. And he was in the octagon tonight. His head was there. Um, He had a good, solid game plan. Stuffing takedowns early gave him confidence to open up. And, you know, he had a clear pathway... Uh, for him and obviously it was to put pressure on the strikes which opened up the choke and it worked absolutely perfect for him tonight 100%. so credit where credit is due you, you hit the nail on the head there with the phrase clear pathway because that's exactly what he had because you know Chiesa was, was backing up like any defender when Aaron Galan came running at him like he is you know <laughs> he, he was like he, he was just uh, he, and like you, this was the type of fight where Kevin Holland didn't have time to be the weird Kevin Holland because Chiesa was just there for the, you know, there for the taking for the holding and he did it well. Like, if you're an opponent of Holland, you're almost like, don't do that. At any cost, don't do what Chiesa did last night. Yeah, the more I think of my bad, my pick for that, it was, it was, uh, it was a pretty bad pick, but it, you know, yeah, like I, I, I'm wondering about Chiesa and, and, I think my wonders were confirmed tonight by yeah. how much does he really want to be in mixed martial arts because he's got the ta- he's got the broadcasting gig with the UFC. He kind of had one foot out, uh, you know, two years out. Maybe wanted to test the waters again, but I would be, I'd be even surprised if I saw Chiesa going in there again. Given what I seen tonight, I mean, he didn't offer too much, and looked it somewhat looked for a way out. I mean. It wasn't a good performance from him. Two years, you'd want to have a bit of hunger in you, but he didn't look like he wanted to be in there tonight. So maybe, maybe it's it's spending more time doing the broadcasting and maybe exiting from from the actual competing himself should be uh, what Kevin or Michael Chiesa yeah. should be doing from. Um, I think we've uh, future. we've very similar uh, thoughts on that. He made your guy, uh, Vicente Luque, look very good in a similar sort of way not too long ago as well, you know. So. He did. Favourite fighter ever. Fair play to him. Derek Lewis, they didn't do much to see on Derek Lewis. 33 seconds, flying knee after about two seconds, and then just bet the head of Marcos Rogerio de Lima on the ground until Dan Margliata uh, stepped in, stood up, pulled off <laughs> pulled off his shorts. Mad. <laughs> I, I was hoping that the underpants would come too. I'll be, I'll be honest. Imagine him there and just like, I don't want to see balls and dick hanging up, but imagine a jockstrap. Just oh, <laughs> shaking at everyone. What I mean, hilarious. But, uh, Brilliant stuff. As, 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 Gra- as Graham says, uh, the minute Derek Lewis started to try and, and teach himself some, some technique, oh, so he fight. Just go out there and be a mad bastard. And, and he did that tonight. It was I'm vintage. You, vintage Derek Lewis. No place on planet Earth has analyzed Derek Lewis's game better than the Severe MMA podcast. We were right from day one. Derek Lewis needs to stop trying to fight well. If he tries to fight well, he's fucked. He needs to go out and mad bastardry from second one and look what happens, Ian. 
vindicated. I'm not going to lie. I was a little bit worried when I seen the six pack. I was like, Jesus, is he taking this a bit too seriously? <laughs> <laughs> and it's strange that you think that. It should be he the lulled other way him in. He lulled him into false insecurity. <laughs> oh, I'm going to fly well. Nah, fuck that. <laughs> One second flying knee. Good luck. Ah, oh, brilliant. That's brilliant from Derek Lewis. I can't say enough and he's back out of contract as well as well he said which is an interesting one with the mm. Francis Ngannou you know situation but the problem yeah, is want to see that one again after the yeah. way the first time happened <laughs> honestly though it's one of those ones it couldn't be as bad as the first one no, like, I actually be, do be. and Derek is going to get great. paid if he, if he did take that as well so it'd be like yeah let's go in there and throw some bombs if he fights like that I mean yeah, the problem really is you have to promote that, you know, and it's going to be your yeah. pay-per-view. And if you're PFL, like Dana White is going to be coming out saying, oh, yeah, their big pay-per-view is the most boring fight we've ever put on in UFC history. Good, good man. Like, you know, it's that's a tough one. If that fight happened, like, I actually think it would be an amazing fight if it happened again. I really do. I think it'd be a really fun fight. But, yeah, I, I just don't. There's too much of a stank off the last fight to do that as your big pay-per-view. But Derek, like, it might be off like adding mm. Derek Lewis onto the PFL and having him maybe pick up a good knockout or two where you can kind of maybe build it within the promotion itself but yeah Dana White is definitely going to come out and try and counter promote that big time yeah um, I'd say Derek Lewis does re-sign though like as I said that probably bought him another five uh, pay-per-views in a row so it'll be uh, it'll be all well and good for, for Derek Lewis after that right then we had um Tony Ferguson and, and Bobby Green. Um, ugh, I, I'm kind of glad Graham isn't on the podcast today because we know what we'd be getting here. We'd be getting Tony, Tony Ferguson was always this shit. What the fuck are two people talking about? Um, Tony Ferguson was never as bad as he was tonight, I don't think, to be fair. Look, we all know Tony Ferguson. There's no need to go over it again. Like, very good fighter in his prime massively overrated in his prime with people thinking he would have beaten Habib and McGregor or whoever and never would have happened but he was always he was a fighter who went on a 12 fight win streak he was one of you know the top five probably five to six to seven best lightweights in the world at one point and now he's getting arm triangle choked by Bobby Green after losing almost all of the rest of the fight to me he just looks so slow and the level of shots that he was taking or not, not even the level of shots like the the impact the shots had on him he oh, he always took a lot of hard shots but like i don't know it just like rocked him in a different way plus there was nothing coming back like there was very it was doing that he was back. doing the same thing tonight as he was doing in the Justin Gaethje fight when he was getting hit real hard he'd shake his head out a little yeah. bit just kind of what would appear to be like shaking off the cobwebs or something like that and it's just so tough to look at it's like the amount of damage that he's already taken and his attacking ability alright yeah he he dropped Bobby Green in the first round but like that was all he showed he's only has one ability to just get off one shot at a time and Bobby Green was eating him up in response with just combinations and, and was winning almost every exchange bar the one like I said he got dropped in but it's sad to look at with Tony at this stage even when you hear him talking like he's talking in the uh, pre-fight press comments although it probably means somewhat tongue-in-cheek you know talking about winning five fights and going for a title it's just it's all a little bit delusional now at this stage and I'm worried for Tony Ferguson now at this stage because what 
we have with Tony Ferguson is a guy that lives and breeds fighting and, you know, has got into a little bit of bother outside of the cage in recent times. And what happens to Tony Ferguson when the fighting is no longer available for him, when he can't do it anymore? Um, is he a guy that will get released from the UFC and retire and not fight again? I don't see that. I, I see Tony as a guy who will want to remain competing because that's what he knows and loves. And, you know, that's going to lead him down to getting more hurt and, 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 and taking more shots which is not good and then if he doesn't have it does he get in more trouble like he he may seem like he's lost without fighting and this is the dark road that fighters have to face when they're at this stage of their career it's 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 really tough to watch it all playing out in real time with Tony Ferguson right now 100% yeah and it's like oh, I saw Chael Sonnen speaking about this during the week and like you know Chael was his training partner Tony and stuff before and he was like he was kind of basically saying like I don't want to tell anyone ever to retire because you're not just you know taking away fights from them you're taking away their livelihood you're taking away you know obviously the money they, they earn but like what they're doing day to day and like that's tough financially and it's tough mentally and all it might be good for you physically um, but you know it's 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 a thing that everyone will have to face at some stage. You know, you you get into MMA, and if you don't know, you should know that it's a short career. And look, Tony Ferguson has probably done better than than most people. Maybe not as well as he should have in terms of getting the big money fights against a Habib and a McGregor. Like even if we think he wouldn't have won them, he still should have gotten them, and he never did, which is very very unfortunate. But he's never going to get them now. It's like it's just not going to happen. Um, and yeah, look. I think a lot of people probably be afraid to say it, but look, we all know Tony Ferguson should should be retired well before this. Like he's completely and utterly shot. Um, and he shouldn't be fighting. Like he really, really shouldn't be. And it's um, like it's sad to see him losing to someone like Bobby Green, who's a who's a good fighter. But like I just said earlier on, Tony Ferguson was a top five, top seven fighter. Bobby Green never was that, never will be that. Like, and no disrespect to that, there's a lot of good fighters that'll never get into the top five. Like, but yeah, he's definitely kind of fallen down a, a level there. But look, a good performance from Bobby Green, and he relatively got to finish late. Uh, I had Bobby Green to win by decision as one of my bets for the week, and it missed by seven seconds. So I had a, it was my proper pick as well. Seven seconds, I had Bobby Green decision as well, and yeah. That's MMA for you in a nutshell. <laughs> Thanks, Bobby. Thanks, Bobby. Um, yourself and Harry are going to break down all of the rest of the cards I choked to death here. Um, just a few, I suppose, a few things on it. Gabriel Bonfim went to 15-0, looked really, really good. Uh, Kapilov got a lovely head kick knockout. Um, Joros Medic got a good finish, kind of a comeback there against uh, Semmelsberger. Miranda Maverick got a, a good... Winning there as well, and uh, just to, just to mention this Jake Matthews fight, um, this was the fight where there was a low blow that wasn't a low blow, that was a low blow, that wasn't a low blow. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the commentary, the commentary, like he kicked him, he kicked him in the stomach, so that couldn't be a low blow, even though like the heel clearly hit him low. And plus, do you know what? As well, it's funny, right? We see this in boxing all the time, right? But the line. The line, and I'd be interested to actually uh, get a referee's word on this. Like, the line is usually, you know, they said like the um, the 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 strappier, you know, shorts or whatever. The, even the first kick that hit the body did hit the strap, like, and the second part definitely hit the cup. Just because one part of it's like, and I made 
uh, just because one part of it's legal doesn't mean it's all legal. And I made it. I made the, <laughs> the comparison when the fella got eye poked. Oh, one part of the glove hit him in the face. It, sure, that must be legal, even though he's five <laughs> inches in his eye. It's like it makes absolutely no sense. But yeah, yeah, I don't know what what like uh, Joe is a little bit off for that because it doesn't matter when it hits the cup. Like where the toe hit the stomach area or hit the midsection, but the heel clearly hit the cup and that's contact. And that means that, you know, you have to stop the fight if he reacts. So uh, how hard it was, maybe he was reacting. Oh, he definitely played it up. He's playing it up a a little bit, trying to get a breather. But ultimately, uh, Jake Matthews pushed on and, and, and really upped the gear. And, and got a, a good finish. It was a good performance, but you know, Darius Flowers kind of came out of the traps there and just fought like a lunatic for Maddie the first. I love the way, <laughs> yeah. I love the way he faked getting hurt and then tried to knock him I out. Loved it. I loved yeah, it. Awesome. <laughs> Darius Flowers, absolutely useless, but like loved him at the same time. Want to see him fight again. So that was that. Do you know actually? I love the commentary. Like, and I, I'm not going to complain about the commentary, but. It was made sound so much worse by how good Brad Wharton was on the commentary at uh, Cage Warriors 158. There was one point in the main event where he explained the whole judging criteria in about maybe 40 seconds in the middle of a fight while still commenting on the fight to a T. It's like, it can be done. It can be done. He was absolutely excellent. Um, And let's talk a little bit about uh, Cage Warriors 158. Um... It was a card, I suppose, that very much went to went to plan for him in a, in a lot of the way. Although, like, they're still finding it hard, I suppose, to get the, the big wins for some of the the Italian lads in Italy. Um, could you say was Shazak versus Michelle Martignoni fight at night on all these cards? Oh, I, I thought Amanda Torres and and Mikkel the Singh the the uh, women's fight on it was pretty good as well. But uh, I thought from a, a kind of a tactical technical kind of a standpoint uh, Shaq Hack and, and Martinoni was a, a pretty good fight you could probably label that fight of the night for sure yeah it was uh, I just thought the, like the kind of the, the back and forth and the fact that I think Hack in the very first round got Martignoni's respect. He kind of reddened the left eye and he was hitting him. It's like when you come in there against a guy who's like noticeably smaller when you're coming down the weight, when the respect is gained, I think that was massive. And I honestly, I think that was the start of the winning of the fight. Shash Hack is an underrated guy and the fucking, the amount of cardio that that lad has, that he's going as hard Crazy. in the fifth round. he had to clear he had a clear size disadvantage in this, like Martinoni obviously moving down and where he looked huge in there. Now, and Shakak, he he had the speed advantage that was clear and you would expect that as well. But, you know, you don't always have the ability to land that power, like you said, to gain the respect. And he did it very early and it kind of set the tone for the fight where, you know, Martinoni was always moving forward, was showcasing some really good head movement at times, it has to be said, but still the cleaner, more technical shots were landing from Shaq Hack throughout the, the fight. Martinoni might get one or two off, but ultimately um, Shaq Hack put a lot of his work together really well and, and the judges did really well to kind of score it as a unanimous decision, in my opinion. I, I would uh, I would 100% agree with that. A good win and, and I definitely think the right guy won that one. Uh, what about Leon Hill? Um, Ian, you know, Brilliant. he's called a professional and uh, there's no doubt about it. He is professional. What did Chris Fields put up? Six fights in 12 months, six wins, six finishes and against, you know, 
against better and better competition all the time. You know, he beat Martin Dembella last time out after beating uh, Conor Dern and Dylan Douglas and a few more b- before that. But Dimitriou Grelian going in at six and one after knocking out Adam Cullen to finish him inside. Of, it was it was the, it was the first round, wasn't it? Yeah, after you know a bit of bother, I suppose to start it and didn't get the rear naked choke, which he took absolutely beautifully. You know, we I suppose Team KF has had um, a lot of good. Uh, new pros and amateurs, I suppose, come through in the last few years. And obviously, we saw Ian Gary go on, and we've seen um, uh, James uh, James Webb obviously fight for the title. And maybe he's a uh, different to these lads here. But Leon Hill, he seems to have taken that mantle upon him, and he is the kind of the guy uh, making a name for himself and, and taking Team KF on his shoulders. Here it was a, a great performance, and a great win for him, Ian. It was brilliant. Um, you know, Leon's career was kind of put on hold there for a little while because he was suffering the consequences of um, concussions for quite some time. So he was unable to fight uh, for a little while, but he's definitely made up for lost time in the last year with, with the six fights and finishing fights as well. And and in this fight against Gurdian, you know, he didn't have a go all of his own way. And what I was really impressed with is how calm and composed he was in those bad situations. Um, looked huge in there too. We're talking about size differences in the main event. Leon looked absolutely massive in there. But, you know, Gurleen came in, fought with pressure, uh, tried to make it a, a fast-paced fight. But ultimately, Leon Hill was was stronger, more technical, and, and got a lovely rear naked choke finish. Didn't even need the, the arm over or under the chin, just squeezed that rear naked choke so well. And it was a really, really good performance. And it sets up for Leon a big, big fight now in Cage Warriors Dublin, I think. And he definitely deserves that for the work that he's put in there over the last year. So it was a really excellent performance. And, you know, it was great to see Chris and Tom. They they really live and die by their fighters and uh, out in the corner. They're, you know, they're devastated, obviously, when their fighters lose. And they're absolutely ecstatic to see. And, and it was great seeing Tom and, and Chris going absolutely mental out yeah. there after getting the win. It's brilliant to see, like you can feel the energy off, uh, off that team. Like, yeah, I, I, you, uh, you can hear Chris Fields probably roaring and hear from, uh, from Rome. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Tom King, I don't know, does he get enough credit? Like he's a, I, I remember after one of the events and I was talking to him for about an hour and he's a very intelligent man. Like he's just a very smart man. And a lot of, you know, the, the SPG lads and all that have come through over the last decade have been under his tutelage, which are jujitsu. And like, I think there was always, you know, this thing about, oh, sure, if you come from Ireland or UK or what, you're going to be a striker. But sure, I don't, I don't, I don't remember any of them getting destroyed in jiu-jitsu terms, and I think he is a large part uh, to do with that as well. So, uh, you look at the Shelley brothers there as well and yeah. see the, the work and how they've progressed, like, you know, uh, picking up submissions and everything. It's just, yeah, it's excellent to see, and there'll be plenty more on the way as well, yeah. I, I would imagine. I think he's probably one of the most underappreciated guys in Irish, I, mean, I would say, Tom King. So shout out to him. Not, not to everybody who knows, but to a lot of people that might yeah. not know, he definitely is. So definitely shout out to Tom yeah. King. He's, uh, he's an OG of Irish Mixed Martial Arts as well. You know? He is indeed, fair play. Um, Elsewhere in the card, then uh, Dario Blandy got a good win. Uh, there, Mason Jones bounced back again. It was kind of... It was a good bounce back win for him against a guy who's just completely at a different level. He just absolutely destroyed him. You talked about um, Leon Hill getting a, a place in that card. Um, I think he, Leon Hill, probably get a main main card spot. I wonder could Mason Jones get a main event spot even maybe maybe in in that Ireland oh, card. I'd say it's. I'm wondering what you do with Mason Jones here. It's like. 
you know, he, he, it's great that he got out there. He fought like a man possessed uh, there last night at, at Cage Warriors. And, you know, he was much better fighter than Alexander Hiberio. And, and that showed on the night. But, you know, the title is vacant at 155 now, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, George you know, you, yeah, you could create a vacant title shot there with Mason Jones and somebody. Whether, you know, I think Leon I'd Hill? like to see Leon... I'd like bit early, bit early. I think so. I'd like to see Leon get a few more in, and I think you know you could do what Cage Warriors have done before and bring in certain level of competition to fight Mason Jones for the title and kind of let the rest of the division sort itself out. Would you draw? But, you would know, you draw Joe McCulligan back for that one? Oh, that would be a very, very interesting one. Now, so it would. Yeah, it would be. It'd be quite interesting, Joe, back to to fight for the title that he never lost. Been, really. so, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I think she's lost. Yeah, would have been interesting one. I don't think so. Though, somehow, I don't think so. Um, but yeah, look at look. Great win for Mason Jones coming back. I'm looking forward to his uh, next one. As you said, Torres the signing, unbelievable fight. Pashani in power. I was I was calling Bauer a possible UFC champion before this, and then even down last. So. Uh, you know, it doesn't look great to me, but still, still could happen. Still could happen. But you know what he was, f- what he he showed here, it's that he was the dominant athlete in all his fights so far, and Pajani is a better athlete than him, and it showed because like Pajani has the skills. You know, Brad said it to me. He's like the Italian James Power, and it was that they were very similar. Like it was around hundred percent. It was it was a oh, very good fight. I just Pichani was just a couple of fights ahead of him in, in terms of ability, wasn't he? And he's a he's a really really good fighter. It's not it? like James yeah. Power lost to a bum there now or anything like seven and all right now, and and just matched fire for fire with James Power. You know, Power was probably going in there thinking he was going to be getting off the the bigger, more impactful shots, but Pagani he landed with just as much ferocity in, in those exchanges and deserved to get the win. Now, Pajani versus Leon Hill, you, you know, Andy was calling for that, that. On, on Twitter as well. That is a great fight. And that's a fight you can put on a main card on the Dublin show. And Jesus, I'd be watching that all day long. Two big, big prospects in the lightweight division and both at seven fights in their professional career. I mean, it makes all the sense in the world. They're on the same kind of, uh, schedule of fights now as well so you know that would be one worth keeping an eye on and I'm sure Ian Dean is as well indeed um, on the other card there then a lot of uh, a lot of the e- uh, Ian a lot of the Italian fighters won so that's good for uh, for Cage Warriors and uh, yeah all in all back to back cards for Cage Warriors were, uh, were pretty good from 1.7 to 1.58 um, Bellator the card as well tonight as we were recording what a time to put on this card in the middle of a UFC uh, pay-per-view when there was a big boxing match as well, I believe, on. And I, I think there was like a... Was there an AEW pay-per-view on? Maybe just AEW show on? Like, God almighty, could you... But uh, Bellator kind of phoned it in until they got sold anyway. But um, Koreshkov and Larkin went to a split decision again in their fight. This time, Koreshkov won. Larkin won the first time. Uh, very surprising to me how... Uh, Magomed Magomedov submitted Danny Sabatello early um, I I think I picked Sabatello coming in to win but submitted him with a guillotine choke uh, Kanawan Atabe as was predicted beat Vit Ortega and unfortunately um, 
I, I might be breaking news you hear Ian am I maybe the, <laughs> I just got the results up because I, I, yeah spoiler alert for me I was going to go watch these fights when we got oh, finished my apologies you know, uh, they won't take long anyway for this one 25 second no contest for the inaugural flyaway title uh, is it inaugural or vacant anyway yeah um, no no it's inaugural, inaugural yeah. maybe I don't know whether they had it in the past but yeah they've reintroduced it yeah. the re-inaugural one for trivia <laughs> it is uh, I poke 25 seconds in I watched it there <sighs> Yeah, it was an eye poke. I, I don't know. Who got the poke? Uh, uh, Haraguchi poked Shinro. So, oh, yeah. man. Haraguchi can't catch a break he cannot, lately, no. really. Can he, he not? Jesus. Break, no. And then uh, Patricky beat uh, Roberto D'Souza via leg kicks in the third round there. Congratulations to all involved in that. Um, next week, so quick look ahead to this. <sighs> Sandhagen font it was who was it supposed to be Sandhagen and Norma Gamedov Norma that would have been a great fight this is still a good fight I, I look forward to it Ian you will have a big breakdown of this so there's no point us breaking it down but the fight I'm looking forward to Tatiana Suarez Jessica Andrade what a fucking fight that is absolutely cannot wait for that do you know this fight isn't actually that bad uh, Jake Hadley versus Corey Durden is on this card Billy Q is on it against Damon Jackson I love Gavin Tucker every time he's a he fights I know as a, as a Canadian man yourself Ian you will like a bit of him um, every time I hear his name I feel uh, so I was down watching the uh, UFC pay-per-view Edmonton show when I was there a couple of years back it was Amanda Nunes versus Valentina Shevchenko too was the main event and I always remember um, every time I hear Gavin Tucker's name and I've probably said it on a podcast before there was a guy sitting beside me and he like knew Gavin Tucker knew his team and all all event he fought maybe two or three fights before the prelim headliner so there's about six fights before all this guy was saying is Gavin Tucker Gavin Tucker Gavin Tucker and he went out and lost that night in under a minute <laughs> or something like that I felt so bad for him oh no really- was that the fight didn't he fight someone and he got like the shit beat out of him for about yeah, it was, 20 oh, no, minutes? That was it. Maybe he didn't yeah. get finished, but he got an absolute awful hiding that night. Was it I, was it a fella? I can't remember. I need to go back and, and check. I should have checked before I said it, but fellow with a mustache. That's all I remember. It was Ricky Glenn. That was the one. Ricky yeah, Glenn. Was the yeah, one. That's yeah, the yeah. one. He got a 15 yeah. minute beatdown. That was one of the worst beatdowns in UFC history, if I remember. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was yeah. a knockout, but you reminded yeah. me there. You have a really bad beatdown. And- <laughs> Yeah, poor, felt bad for you know. I, I know that I got a taste of my own medicine this week. Went all in on dusty pee, and it didn't happen. So yeah, me and James Powers well. not a great week for all for us. <laughs> no, no, not a great week. Oh, lad, imagine now going on. will be out after us tomorrow, Sean. Going on the betting show. This guy's gonna be UFC champion. He loses his fucking second cage warriors fight. Jesus, I may hold off and gone mad like that ever again. Like that was that was too much. Anyway. Two more cards as well next week. Uh, the pay-per-view, sorry, the playoffs start for PFL. PFL 7, Bubba Jenkins against Pinedo uh, at 145. We have Silvera against Flores at 205, as well as Martin Hamlet against Impa Sanganai. And then there's a shitload more on it as well. Um, Nate Kelly's not on this card, but he's on an upcoming card. Uh, do you know what's funny as well, right? Chuck Campbell is on this, the... The Cage Warriors 205 or from a while back. So I was thinking Modestus Bukowskis' title, maybe he could be fighting for it. But uh, it looks like he's in the PFL now, so he probably won't be. So, uh, yeah, that's an, that's an interesting move there uh, out of Chuck Campbell. So, um, yeah, uh, it's... 
I'm going to have to preview that card next week, so I'm yeah, not massively looking forward to that, to it's be honest. There's only three... No, there's four, sorry. Gabriel Alves Braga against Chris Wade as well. Chris Wade replacing um, uh, Mob Lead, who was probably the favourite to win that fucking tournament. So that's very unfortunate. So there's only four tournament fights on that. But sure, look, we'll see how it goes. And there's only three MMA fights on the one Fight Night 13 card. Uh, but there's some very good uh, footboxing and Muay Thai on it, uh, Ian. Uh, Alizov versus Gregorian. I know you're fucking delighted for that one. Uh, the one fifty five on that. Everyone's saying like that's one of the best um um Muay Thai matches you could kickboxing matches you can make in the world, isn't it? So but uh Serious, yeah. the MMA fights on a John Lineker against J One Kim, that is gonna be an absolute fucking banger Just of a fight. Give me John Lineker versus anybody and anyone. But Kim watching. Kim is your man who um who knocked out oh god, what's his name? Um I get uh, Martin Wynn. He absolutely Sparked him there like a, a couple of years ago. Um, so he's a knockout artist himself, so that should be fun. Then we have Rug Rug versus Buchecha. What a oh, Shawnee, they've been teasing this for us. I now hope it happens. Three or four events. <laughs> I don't happens. want to tempt fate. I do no. not want to tempt fate, but I hope that this fight actually happens because it's going yeah. to be some spectacle. It's going to be brilliant. But uh, yeah, that's going to the top and bottom of it then. Um, so yeah, we'll. Uh, we might leave it there. We've great times coming up for Irish. I mean, obviously you've uh, um, a few interviews coming out. You've an interview with uh, your your boy Caelan Locker and out, uh, which is great stuff. I know you got a lot of plaudits for that. For a very good interview, um, and he's obviously fighting in UFC Paris, and then you've Mickey in Paris as well. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I think people, someone needs to get like a big Irish flag with McKee in Paris, like written on it. Like you can have that idea for free. Anyone going over to the fights, like it's brilliant. But um, I'm obviously we Sean last week and we have loads of Irish MMA coming up. If people want to know about Irish MMA and where would be a good place for them to go and maybe if they want a little bit more Irish MMA than they get in a severe MMA podcast, where could they go, do you think? It's funny you ask, Sean, oh, yeah, because... Yeah, it is. Actually, this Wednesday, we'll have the brand new episode of The Owl Triangle out. And Who's going to be on it? Andy and uh, be, We have no interviews recorded yet. Good, that was a test. Guests lined up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to break the rule and announce any interviews before they actually happen. Because, yeah, <laughs> you're good. I tossed it. But, you know, myself, Andy and Quilcher will be talking about regional uh, Irish mixed martial arts, uh, UFC level Irish mixed martial arts, anything Irish Mixed Martial Arts this Wednesday and every Wednesday for every two weeks you can catch that on the other I haven't asked me on yet for fuck's sake you think like (laughs) Ireland's number one journalist of all time covering Mixed Martial Arts would be like uh, you have my number lads like come on Christmas special. Christmas special. Although I was on last Christmas special, wasn't I? You were on. I was, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah fair enough. Throwing out accusations you. like that. I love but, giving uh, out. Uh, I love giving out. But sure yeah. look. Rasmus Holland. Thoughts? Um, big risk, big money, a lot of unknowns. Um, big reward. I'm happy that we're. Yeah, I, like I said, I'm going to say it out loud now, and so I say it to the world. We sign Harry Kane as well, and we have Holland or Highland right under Harry Kane, learning the tricks of the trade. And then, in about three years, when Kane is fucked all together, just let Highland come in and, and take up that slack. I'm already calling him Eldy Erling, so I don't know. I know there's supposed to be a big promise for him. Like he's supposed to be, he's supposed to be. But like, I mean, the Premier League 
has made and broke a lot of players. So we'll see. Like, it's going to be a lot of pressure for him when you have a big price tag and you're coming in if you're going to be starting there and expecting to score goals straight away. If that doesn't work out for you, um, the English media are going to be on your ass, and then, you know, that's tough as a young player. So, you know, it'll be up to Ten Hag to kind of mould him in and fit him into the system and see what happens. Like, uh, you know, it's time to get... Ten Hag out, I agree. Oh, stop it. You're not giving them any chance. You have to give them a chance. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Ah, that's exciting, at least. Anyway, we some... Uh something to look forward some to fresh blood yeah, any, to any other sports you we were excited last year too when it was all over after two games it was well, yeah so, I mean, it was yeah any other sport that you watched two games. had any big matches no, over the last couple no of weeks no other sporting events going on at oh. all now over no, the last week I have no idea no, no idea no yeah. uh, the Women's World Cup was actually going yeah. on yeah they're Ireland were disappointed there as well the All-Ireland Football there definitely final. wasn't any hurling yeah the Ireland oh. Football oh the hurling oh yeah now they bring up the hurling there was no hurling on no, there's no hurling on. Four in a row, four in a row. Do you think we'll do it? Do you think you'll do the five in a row? I don't know. It'll be hard to bet. It'll be hard bet hard now bet. for no, it. We'll we almost bet. didn't do the four in a row this year. A couple of Yeah, we only won by nine moments. points. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, uh, well you were close to kind of getting eliminated. You you're uh, you're only a couple of minutes from being eliminated altogether there at one you stage. Are, so, yeah. you know, that's... You need a little bit of luck to get through, but ultimately they were the better team last Sunday, and that's it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Last year, we have to take our bait. Yeah, I know. In fairness, now to Kilkenny, I, I'm no, I take the business up, but there's no one better than Kilkenny to go out, give it their all, and if they're bet, they're bet, and they'll come in, they'll shake your hand, and you know they'll go, we'll go at you again the next yeah. time. Even and though there's loads of financial doping and everything down in Limerick, and uh, you know JP is paying huge bonuses, I, I, I just take back what I just said. So I'm not getting hammered like that. No, they're showering cuts as well as the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> what you think? Uh, what you think uh, behind closed doors, and what you say in reality sometimes can be uh, different things, Johnny. But your luck. So it was a good game anyway. For you know, you were able to stick with us for for fifty minutes and. You know, we blew you away then. Last year I predicted on the, the show that we'd win by 14 points. Um, and, th- you know, Brian Cody, boy. You know, I, I, do you know what Brian Cody is? He's Alex Ferguson who won the Premier League playing fucking Anderson and Tom Cleverley in midfield. That's what Brian Cody is like. He was some yeah. man to get run Limerick as close as he did last year and keep him going for as long Unreal. as he did. Yeah. You, there's a picture of Cody after the game last year where he's talking to someone and the two hands are out and the eyes look up. Like There was only a couple of pucks of, of the ball or a couple of things that went wrong last year and it would have been a magical way for him to go. But uh, yeah, not to be this year and that's it. It's going to be hard to beat Limerick now for the next couple of years now to be honest and that's the reality of the situation uh, they have to come through the juggernaut of the Munster Championship if they get through that it's going to be fairly straightforward to them for them next year as well to be honest uh, it's tough and we leave it at this but like next year Limerick have Clare and Innes so like Limerick haven't won in Innes in years and years and years so that's tough and Cork are coming on hard uh, like Cork's this under 20 team with the, your man Ben O'Connor and all of these boys they look unbelievable. Are they seeing him playing rugby? Actually, maybe maybe we'll be alright without him. But like, yeah, uh, they have, it's going to be tough they have next O'Connor, year. But you, you have the bull that's going to be coming through. Bull, 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 b
follow him I- at Ioneal MMA over on Twitter. Uh, go over and uh, subscribe to the Old Triangle on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, all those places. And it's on the Severe MMA YouTube as well. And if you're not signed up to that already, please do. We're only like, how many are we? Like 150 away from 30,000 or something. So that'd be absolutely massive. Uh, and if you're listening to this, and we, we put this up on. Um, uh, on YouTube as well But maybe soon Maybe the video will be coming We'll see about that My new internet's coming In a few weeks time So hopefully Then And uh, yeah Follow me At Sean Sheehan BA I'm trying uh, I actually want people To follow me now Because I'm trying To get monetized uh, Yeah he's making He wants to make money Over now <laughs> I, he, I he didn't want any new followers But now he can make A few bob over there Now he's uh, getting uh, hungry Thirsty for more uh, followers I saw someone saying there They're going to unblock everyone That they blocked To get like Hate interactions And if I did that, I def I'd be get a, I'd be flying past the fifteen million. I have about three thousand people blocked. I'd say like if I unblock all those guns, my timeline would be terrible. But like I'd be getting about five hundred quid a, a month. Like so, it'd be it'd be worth it. Like you know, that's it. Turning hate, hate into profit, John. Hate into profit. That's into what profit. severe MMA is all about. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually the exact opposite. Some might say because turning like love into fucking loss is what. <laughs> Uh, right go on good luck we'll see you all next week shlan